Good afternoon and welcome to Appeals and Post-Trial Practice. This is our February 2021 New York Workers' Compensation webinar. Uh, my name is Greg Lois. I am very happy to be here with you today. I hope everything is going well with you. Here in New York, we were promised a horrible ice storm last night and it didn't happen. So uh, everybody's here, we're happy. Uh, nobody has to uh, worry about slipping on any black ice this morning. So uh, great day. Uh, we're going to talk today a little bit about a topic that is often not at the top of people's minds, but um, actually I'm going to hope to change a little bit uh, of your mind today on that, and that is appeals and the use of appeals, particularly tactical use of appeals in New York. So uh, we're going to talk about when appeals should be made, what kind of decisions should be appealed, what effect we're going to get, what's the tactical effect of an appeal, um, why we should uh, think about the cost of appealing before we do it and how much appeals cost uh, before you go ahead and just start engaging in filing a lot of appeals. Uh, my advice today is going to be based on my experience, and my experience is 20 years of doing nothing but workers' comp defense. I now lead a law firm, uh, which is uh, 35 attorneys. All we do is defend workers' comp claims, uh, primarily New York, New Jersey. Uh, and we think that the appeal portion uh, or the thinking about the post-trial action should be happening right at the very first time you're going to your first hearing uh, and be thinking about those legal issues you want to raise. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that today. Now, this is totally live. Uh, please feel free to type in any questions you want. I will answer as many questions as time allows. This really is a lot more fun when people ask questions. I can see them pop up on my dashboard over here, and I will answer all your questions at the end. Uh, I try to uh, first say the name of the first name of the person whose question I'm answering, so you'll know if I'm talking about your question or not. Uh, and then we'll jump right into answering as many as we can. Type them in as we go. Particularly if I say something that sounds a little crazy or out of left field to you, uh, type your question in, uh, and then I'll answer them all at the end. So as we're going along, I'll remind you to ask some questions because it really does make it more fun and interactive. Uh, I also want to remind everybody who's watching and listening today uh, that if you're one of our clients, we mailed you out uh, one of our New York Workers' Compensation Handbooks, so everybody should have a copy of that. Uh, if you didn't get a copy in the mail, uh, we can send you a PDF version of our 2021 handbook. Uh, we have a whole section in here on appeals, uh, really talking about the practical impact and practical aspects of an appeal. Uh, but if you didn't get a copy of our, our handbook, because maybe, for example, you're not going into your office and maybe we mailed a hard copy there, we certainly have PDF copies that we can send to you that are the same thing. In fact, they might actually be even a little bit better than the print handbook uh, because they're searchable just like any other PDF. And I, I know a lot of people utilize that. Uh, this year's handbook, 2021, very significantly revised. Unfortunately, I had to include a whole new chapter this year just on COVID-19 but a lot of revisions to many chapters, including the sections of the handbook that talk about post-trial appeals. Um, and I've learned a lot over the last year or two, and we tried to incorporate that in the book. Our handbooks are always changing every year, so if you haven't had a chance to grab a copy yet, let us know, we'll get it right out to you. All right, let's quickly talk about the path of an appeal, and really about what happens at the trial level. So uh, remember, there's only three hearing types in a New York workers' compensation case. Everything is either a pre-hearing conference, a hearing, or an expedited trial. That's it. There's only three things. Um, you can appeal anything that's a final judgment or anything in which uh, money is going to be moving. There are very few interlocutory or appeal or appealable issues that will be deemed interlocutory. 
really the only time that you may have an interlocutory issue or an, an issue that is not appealable is things that are decided at a pre-hearing conference. For example, if you go to a pre-hearing conference in a controverted case and you raise a specific legal defense and the judge says, uh, cool, I heard that you raised that defense, but we're not talking about it. We're going to do these other things and then we're going to allow lay witness testimony and then we're going to give you a decision. The right time to appeal that is really after the final decision is issued. So that could be considered interlocutory, but there's really almost nothing else. Anytime money's moving, anytime a provision of medical treatment is occurring, you really should think of that as an appealable issue. So the way appeals arise uh, are first, there's some kind of decision at the uh, court level. Your first level of appeal is to the board panel. And the board panel is three judges uh, who will sit there and uh, come up with a written decision. These are all uh, rendered as written decisions on the result of the trial level appeal. Uh, the next level up from there is your choice. It's kind of a dealer's choice. You can go to the full board and the full board will review uh, your decision or, and at the same time, you can go to the appellate division, which is a civil court, uh, and you could do that at the same time. So you can do that concurrently or you can do that separately. And most of the time we invite clients to do both at the same time. We'll say, you know, generally that full board decision will come out faster than the appellate division appeal. And that's because the appellate division appeal, and I'll talk about this in a few minutes, takes a lot more time, effort, blood, and treasure to correctly file and perfect, including uh, submission of an entire recorded record. Uh, the last level of appeal in New York is the Court of Appeals, and that's the highest court in New York. Many states call their highest court their Supreme Court. In New York, they call it the Court of Appeals. And you can, uh, uh, by permission, uh, make an appeal from the appellate division uh, to the Court of Appeals. You can't skip the appellate division and go right from a board panel or a court level decision all the way up to the Court of Appeals. You have to first get an appellate level decision that you are going to challenge. All right, first reminder, live presentation, ask questions. What can be of appealed? What kind of decisions are we appealing? Well, first, any final decision. Uh, and that could be anything that is issued by a, a judge. Usually they're issued on a form EC-23. That would be the, uh, the post-hearing uh, document filed by the board. Also, they could come out by way of a reserve decision or sometimes called an RD, but any decision uh, that is going to impact uh, your exposure, liability, or responsibility in the case. Our first step is to file what's called an RB89. This is just a fancy two-page sheet of paper that explains to the board panel, and that's the, uh, the, the next level up that you're appealing to, here are the exact issues in the case that I am appealing. Now, the board has gotten extremely strict about the use of the RB89, all the way down to like which boxes need to be checked and which sections need to be filled out in their entirety. But the important thing about filling out this RB89, which we look at as just a cover sheet to the brief we're gonna file, uh, what we, the important thing is that we are raising the issue. You're identifying, here's the legal issue that we think that this trial level court got wrong. The second thing is, you have to specifically point out where you objected to it. You're going to say, I objected to that at the time of the hearing. And, and that objection is key. We are going into a trial situation in New York. Uh, we're going into a hearing where benefits are going to be changed. Uh, there's going to be money moving. Your attorney should really be thinking like, what here is objectionable? What objections do I need to preserve? What objections am I going to waive? Because they're not important. And how am I going to protect the record so that I have the opportunity to appeal this in the future if necessary? should always be thinking, hey, uh, can I draw out error 
from my opposing counsel, even from the court, that I can later use as a basis or grounds for an appeal. Uh, because you're going to need to identify the place in the record that you actually objected to the thing that you're trying to now raise on appeal. This really leads to what I think is kind of some defensive overlawyering, because we will then go and kind of object to almost everything we can to make sure that we are preserving an adequate record so that we can then later go and file that RBA under that cover sheet that really is going to help us uh, perfect our appeal. We have 30 days uh, from the date of filing of the decision to file an appeal. It's not 30 days from the date the case was listed in court. It's not 30 days from when your attorney told you or sent you their post-hearing report. It's 30 days from the date the record is actually filed in eCase, which is the electronic docketing system of the Workers' Compensation Board. So uh, that is a very strict timeline. It's very, very difficult uh, to have the board uh, hear or judge a appeal in which that timeline has not been respected. Uh, you really have to show that there was some sort of uh, superseding crazy error or issue as to why your appeal could not be filed in 30 days. And so in general, that 30-day um, uh, uh, jurisdictional limitation to the board hearing appeals is going to be very, very strictly enforced and very uh, tightly construed against the employer or the carrier. The next level up from that full board appeal, uh, from that uh, board panel appeal, is to the full board. You also have the choice. This is the dealer's choice moment where you can go to the appellate division. And there are two different documents you would file, or you could file them both at the same time. One is the RB 89.2, and that is telling the board, hello, I really don't like the decision of this board panel that reviewed that uh, trial level decision, and I really want the full board to hear it. Okay. And the second one is the notice of appeal to the appellate division. I'm going to talk in a second about why you do or do not uh, do that full level appeal to the appellate or go above the full board to the appellate. And the answer is going to be because of cost and complexity. Um, when we're filing things with the workers' compensation court, there are no filing fees in New York. And uh, the records or the documents that we have to file generally are already in the board's uh, electronic docketing system. So there really isn't a cost to reproduce or create a record. And the, uh, the length of briefs, for example, is circumscribed. Uh, at the first level of appeal, you can only write a brief that eight pages or less. Um, and even the cover sheet, it's only two pages. So they're, it's sort of uh, appeal light. These are relatively straightforward, relatively simple, and very short in general appeals. And they're typically appealing just one, two, or three issues. These aren't giant, far-reaching appeals addressing issues of public policy. In fact, if you're addressing public policy in an RB89, you probably went wrong someplace. No, that's my opinion. Uh, but anyway, uh, it's they're very light. It's very easy to appeal. Uh, and so for that reason, uh, we really, you know, it, it's not very costly. Uh, it's very straightforward. In fact, in our office, our practice is that we like to submit written summations at the trial level uh, presenting our trial arguments to the court. We then just take and recycle typically those written summations and turn them into the basis for our appeal brief. And we save the clients money that way, save time that way as well. And really, it's, we've probably already raised the issue and probably already briefed it, so why wouldn't we just reuse that brief? And so uh, generally speaking, cost and complexity at the board level is going to be a lot lower than cost and complexity uh, filing an appeal with the appellate division. So when sometimes we're talking to a client about the likelihood of success, we're really talking uh, about as well the cost associated with the likelihood of a success. Filing an appeal to the full board and not to the appellate division is much less costly 
than filing an appeal to the appellate division. Also, you get a stay when you file an appeal of the trial court. You do not get a stay uh, when you go up to the full board and or the appellate division. And so if there is money moving, there really is not a huge tactical advantage to pursuing additional levels of appeal unless you believe you will strategically win that appeal. Uh, otherwise, it's just throwing good money after bad. And so you have to keep that into account. All right. Uh, let's talk about the Court of Appeals. This is our highest court in New York, and it's going to be extremely costly and extremely complex to bring a uh, appeal to this level. Again, there is no stay when you go up to the New York's highest court, and so this really shouldn't be pursued unless there is a significant issue of statutory construction, public policy, or a due process issue that you believe needs to be pursued. Relatively rare. All right, let's take a look at these different tactics and why we're going to recommend some over others. And I hope you can see this graphic. Uh, I know you're probably missing my face. You can see my forehead kind of standing up out of the background, but here we are. All right, first lowest level appeal is to the board panel. Do you get a stay? Yes. That means if there is money moving in the case, it stops moving if you're arguing that the money um, was inappropriately awarded. How much does it cost to file this appeal? Well, it's really just going to cost attorneys hours to prepare uh, the appeal uh, brief and the RB89 in my office. We even have paralegals doing that, primarily the RB89, the attorney works on the brief, uh, and there are no filing fees. Uh, concurrency, no. And Greg, uh, just on average, what is the winning percentage for the uh, defense, whether we are trying to reverse a decision uh, or uh, correct the record or do something else, about 30% when we're looking for reversal or rescission. Full board appeal, that's again now our second level appeal. Are you getting a stay? No. Is it costly? No, not really. You're really talking about a few attorney hours. There are no filing fees. You can file it concurrent to the appellate level appeal, uh, but let's be frank, uh, these are relatively unlikely to be overturned. 10% or so get reversed at the full board level. Also at that second level, again, you can do this concurrently, is your appellate division appeal. Is there a stay? No. Is it costly? Yes, it's extremely costly. Even in a very minor or relatively simple, straightforward case, reproducing the record in its entirety, that means every medical that we're going to rely on, every uh, document that was produced in court, everything that we think is going to be valuable in helping us move our case forward, it has to be reproduced and submitted to the court. So we tell clients that costs typically about $5,000, and we use outside vendors to do that because it's so complicated the way each document needs to be bound into separate books and then served to the appellate division. Can it occur concurrently? Yes. And what is the win percentage just for the average? About 8%. Last level, highest level of appeal is that court of appeals. Do you get a stay? No. And so, uh, and it has a high cost associated with it. Is it concurrent? No, it is not. Uh, winning percentage extraordinarily low. Now, you could look at this chart another way, and this and the way I would also look at this chart is substitute the word stay with the word tactical. Is it tactical? Yes, uh, only the board panel appeal, I believe, is truly tactical, meaning it allows you to freeze, suspend, or stop making payments of compensation while the issue gets decided by that higher court, and that can be very valuable to you because that will often be the uh, decision point you need to get your opposing counsel or adversary to so that you can uh, get the case into the kind of position it needs to be in so that you can uh, 
move towards either a lump sum dismissal settlement or some other types of amicable resolution so that you can move the case to closure. It creates the leverage. All right. Uh, I hope that was a good overview. It's been about 15 minutes sort of explaining uh, what the different levels of appeal are. I'm very interested to see what kind of questions we have today. So I'm going to open up the questions panel. All right. So uh, Steve asked the question, Greg, what are the chances the appellate division would overturn a claim which has already been disallowed due to issues related to credibility? Okay, so that's a great question. Uh, so first, the appellate division in general uh, is not going to substitute its own opinions regarding credibility for those of the workers' compensation judge. So if you've already gotten a case disallowed at the court or trial level, and it's uh, now going up and it's your adversary who's saying you should overturn that, the judge was wrong in their finding on credibility, that's pretty rare that the appellate division would overturn a decision based on the judge's opinion of witness credibility where the witness credibility was determined by the judge. Uh, the only time where I see that um, being successful when we're talking about witness credibility is where there are glaring contradictions between the things the claimant or witness is saying, or perhaps the medical experts are saying in a case, and then the testimony or documents that you're able to produce before the judge. And you're able to make the argument that essentially uh, this person was not credible, and the judge really denied you due process by crediting their testimony, despite the fact that it's absolutely incredible. So uh, there are edge cases where we are still going to want to appeal on a credibility issue uh, to the appellate division, but they are quite rare, and I would often uh, be preparing my client to be unlikely to be successful on that. Uh, Susan asked the question, Greg, at what point or level do you start getting into creating citable case law by a decision? Okay, that's a great question. Third department appellate level decisions may be published or unpublished. And published just means they get end up bound in a book. Uh, unpublished means they're not. Um, meaning essentially that the court is intending this to be cited or considered uh, precedential or not. Regardless, in our briefs, we're almost only citing to third department appellate level decisions. Now, the board publishes its own opinions uh, and those are trial level opinions and uh, there are opinions of the uh, board panels as well as full board. Uh, while those are good for a starting point for, hey, where, how is the board practically um, applying the law in its cases, those do not stand as precedential uh, legal opinions. Those can be overturned. They are not granted any level of legal deference by the third department appellate division when they are doing a legal review and perhaps overturning, changing, uh, or rescinding uh, a decision of the lower courts. There is also case law in New York, which comes from the Court of Appeals. Again, that's the highest court in New York. And those decisions are all considered published, and they are all considered binding on all of the lower courts. So that's how that works. But great question, Susan. All right. I don't see any other questions. So thank you, everybody, who asked a question. That's great. I love getting them. Uh, next month, uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking about something uh, very fun, which is going to be fraud. just want to remind everybody who's part of this presentation. First Monday of the month, construction. Second Monday, risk transfer. Third Monday is today, New York. Fourth Monday, we're talking about New Jersey workers' compensation. So I thank everybody for joining us. Our next presentation on New York workers' compensation will be March 15th. And we're going to be talking about fraud, which is a juicy and fun topic, and we're going to make it some fun. So uh, please join us for that. Thanks for everybody who came. If you haven't received a copy of our book yet, please let me know, and we will get that right out to you.
Okay. Have a great day, everybody. See you soon.